sound. Uh, I guess we're on the air, Sharon. I've lost the sound. Hit start. Hit start. No, start. Here. Okay. Welcome to Senior Moments on 93.1 CFISFM. Yeah, well, now we're on the air. Hi, everybody. Um, our first guest hasn't phoned in yet. No. And I have to tell you, this might be the last show that I do. I had a phone call this morning. I want you to write this number down. 250-560-5874. And this was from Border Security. And they told me that they had received a parcel from another country that had illegal substance in it. And there was a warrant out for my arrest. And the interesting part about this call is that it's the the number is in my area. And so normally you would pick up the phone because it's a 560 number. And that's my um, area. And so I wanted to warn you that I'm uh, there's a warrant out for my arrest and that uh, you need to check that number. And if there's a number coming in that's in your area code, um, let your, your answering machine pick it up because, uh, you know, you might get scared. I'm saying it's a scam call. Absolute scam call. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to tell everybody not to get upset about it because no. they were pretty aggressive. Were they acting as the tax? No, no, it was Border border Patrol oh, Security. Okay. Canadian Border Security Patrol. And they got a warrant out for me. And so just make sure that if you get a number with your... Yeah. Okay, our, our next guest called in, so you can come and visit me in prison. Are they? Are you there, Doctor Fredine? Yes, I am. Oh, hi. I was just telling hi. them that this might be my last show because I had a phone call just before I came in from oh. um, from the Canadian Border Security that they had received a par- parcel that had illegal substance in it, and there was a warrant out for my arrest. <laughs> 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 you know, I guess a few. They're taking advantage of all this fear mongering. Well, it's not fear mongering that's going on about the Ukraine, but um, I think that's part of the the theme of of these kind of uh, parasites. Mm, you you yeah. haven't had you haven't had one yet, have you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Mm. The thing is, my my phone number starts with five six zero where I live, and that's what this phone number was. Right. So it would be like a neighbor. Right. If you didn't, uh, you know, if you didn't have a little um, knowledge about this stuff, you'd just pick it up. Mm-hmm. So how are things? Good, good. And and do you have a, have you solved the, the problem? Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I didn't know, and I think there's a lot of stuff that lots of us don't know what we could do to reduce um, the effect of 
human um, human uh, throwaway on on our planet and on our province. Um, I read that Canada uses five um, Earths worth of uh, food and electricity and consuming goods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so how do we want to do this, uh, Sharon? Well, I um, maybe I can just start with what I learned and then you can um, take it from there. Um, so first thing they said was turn down the heat. And and then when I read more, it said every year global energy systems produce um, 40 billion tons of carbon dioxide emissions, mm-hmm. uh, putting our planet towards irreversible decline. Uh, decline. And so we're, they said that we're at a tipping point. And, uh, and so I thought, maybe we need to start there because last week we had, um, Renee, um, Mary Field on and she's an MLA and she's the critic for environment and climate change. And when I started talking to her about mining and, uh, how are they overseen when they have a, a spill like they did it, I think it was the poly mine and it went into Punal Lake and down the river and killed a bunch of fish and um, you know there has to be more oversight well she said there's 27 minerals in a, a cell phone I didn't know that and, and so then we have to sort of look a little deeper into what we can just brush away and say why, why are we mining and polluting and then finding out that everybody who sits at the table in the restaurant looking at their cell phone instead of one another um, wouldn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's there's a, has to be a way that we can live with and without. And then she said, the more oil we stop pumping and, and the... LNG, the more Russia and China will make. Mm-hmm. And that makes you start thinking about, well, how do we do this in a, in a way that is not going to um, assist sort of our enemies into selling more coal, oil, gas, and stuff? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So what do you think? Well, so we we had talked uh, ahead of this um, spot right now. We, we'd kind of come to the idea that we wanted to focus on solutions. Yes, we do. And uh, unfortunately, the, the solutions are there, mm-hmm. but we need to be motivated to, to do these things. And... So I'm going to come at this from two different ways. Okay. There's solutions that really are sort of personal choices. Yeah. But then I think we have to also think about governance and policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we all need to make changes, but we're, 
there's a, there's a there's a basic inherent fairness, mm-hmm. right? To yeah. to 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 a lot of living creatures, including humans, and so I do think that there this this fairness, not only at the local level, but all the way up to the global scale. Mm-hmm. There needs to be fairness about this. Mm-hmm. How we're each carrying part of the load mm-hmm. to do this. So I, I thought we could start off with just some personal things that I think are really critical that we that we do. Good. Um, put a little bit of thought into this and sort of prioritizing them. Mm-hmm. And then I thought we could get to the governance thing at the end because I think that's the big... Um, th- without those big governance changes yeah. and commitment, our own individual efforts may not amount to much, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So we need to have both, and people need to get their head around that, that we can't just simply stress ourselves out trying to do everything ourselves on our own. We need to also work at the governance level, all the way from local, all the way up to global. We need to be thinking about these things and, and playing a part in them. Yes, I agree. Okay, so my first personal thing that we all need to do is we need to reduce or eliminate our fossil fuel usage. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop investing in them. Mm-hmm. Most people are invested in fossil fuels right now, yes. and they don't even know it. Yes. Um, because they, 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 they just want good returns. They don't care. Well, that, those days have to, be, have to go by yes. the wayside. We need to think about what our money is being invested in, and... And I just went through that process because I'm retiring in June. Oh, and yes. so trying to get all of my funds into um, uh, environmental-friendly funds. Mm-hmm. And so it's absolutely doable. This is Prince George, and there are people that will help us do mm-hmm. that. And so that's what I'm doing. But but so so it's not just simply trying to, to make small changes in your household, but, but also really fundamentally putting your money where your mouth is. Exactly. And so that's what I'm encouraging people to do. You still can get decent returns, mm-hmm. sometimes very, very good returns. Mm-hmm. I think the momentum's going to change against fossil fuels. I know the prices are high right now, and people are, are really excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm. And, and I think we need to invest for a future that we want to live in. I agree with you totally. I feel that um, it's not being paid enough attention to um, when I talk to young people I say why don't you you know really learn about what the future is and and about wind power and um, all the different powers that we can have geothermal and solar all of those things because that's going to be the future mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and it would be wise for us to get ahead of the curve it would if 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 they're going to have to pull us across that finish line, um, we we're, we may not survive. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. It's sobering, but we we really are in in a, in in bad shape right now. Yeah, we are. A few things that I did, for example, in my condo, I had um, both a gas um, water uh, heater. Oh yes, and I also had a gas fireplace, and yes. I got rid of both. Oh, yes. And uh, quite easy to do. And I have an electric fireplace. Mm-hmm. And 
and I have electric water heater, and so I'm not paying any gas bills anymore. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, we can do these things. And, and also in B.C., gosh, we, we're mostly hydro. We're yes. mostly sustainable energy. Yeah. So we should be taking advantage of that. Uh, and um, when I look at places for sale, uh, homes for sale, um, you know, they're, they're either wood heated or um, propane or gas heated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and then there are some that are electric board heated. I have no idea what the difference is in cost, but... Uh, Tremendous. Yeah, I, I would think it would be. I... I'm paying less now yeah. in my condo. Yeah. Yeah. My so, bill has gone down. Yeah. Um, my, my total energy bill. So I, 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 now I'm not sure that would be the case for everybody, but um, it, was, it was the case in my, in my condo, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and try to, yeah. It, you see, you get lazy, and, and they make everything so easy. And uh, mm-hmm. and th- therefore, uh, you stop thinking about when when I was a kid, the coal man delivering all that coal into the chute into the basement, mm-hmm. and Mom shoveling that at night because Dad <laughs> was working nights. Yeah, you know, and and that pollution going into the air. Well, we got rid of that. So mm-hmm. if we did it once, we can do it twice. Yes. Why can't we? Why can't we do that? Because mm-hmm. I, 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 my grandparents had coal shoots, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and yeah, that wasn't good for for the um, the air either, air no. quality. No, and for mom, when she'd go in there and shovel all that coal dust, and that mm-hmm. poor man that delivered it, he was always black, you know, <laughs> yeah, covered right. in the dust, yeah, you know, <laughs> carrying that stuff on his shoulder, yeah, yeah. and so. So that's something that everyone can make a choice and think about because electric is clean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we do have lots. Now, here's number two, Sharon, mm-hmm. and this is this is a tough one because we have been advertised to death to want things we don't need. Yep. But we need to reduce our consumption. I agree. We... People don't understand the embedded greenhouse gases and environmental harms that are buried in the things we buy. Mm-hmm. And so we need to get away from consuming as much as we do. Oh, my of course, God. Of course, you know, companies and, and businesses, they want us to buy stuff. Yep. And they want us to buy lots of stuff. Yep. If and you a lot buy... of it goes obsolete very, yeah. very quickly. And then we have to buy more of it. Yeah. Um, I think we need to think very radically differently about consumption. So here's my here's my thing. So um, I I think that because so much of our environmental impact is in what we buy, we need to buy less. And so here's what I was thinking: is we should look at the reacquaint ourselves with the six R's and meditate on that a little bit. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, Reading, but, writing, arithmetic. <laughs> but, but, okay, I would say the number one R, you, oh. can, you can debate these, but I think the number one R would be refuse. Mm-hmm. So the R is refuse. Refuse needless consumption. Mm-hmm. They are going to try to get you to consume, but you can say, no, I don't want to. 
here's my coffee mug, fill it. Don't give me a throwaway cup right. and plastic. Yeah. Okay? The second thing, reduce consumption wherever possible. So instead of seeking to, to consume all the time, it, it becomes a drug yep. almost, doesn't it? Yep. You get a little dopamine a high, yeah. in your brain when you buy something. Yep. If you can get over that little blip of dopamine, I think we could just say, let's let's not, I don't need to buy all this stuff. It costs me a lot of money, and then I have to throw it away before too long. Yeah, or you uh, have to have a, a spare room as a dressing room full of clothes that you can't wear because you're too yeah. fat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you have the hope that you're going to reduce your weight and, and get into yeah. it again. <laughs> oh, clothes are horrible, aren't they? <laughs> but, yeah, they? And I also think there's a part of that, uh, Dr. Verdeen, from your childhood. Like, my ch- my parents were not rich. They were uh, medium, I would think, and and so my clothes were hand-me-downs from my cousins, and mm. and so I really was proud to have a new plaid skirt that my cousin Lynn grew out of. But then, when I got my own job, and I could buy my own brand new clothes, mm-hmm. well, I just took a sweater out of my closet that still had a tag on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I've had that same experience, not not very often, but occasionally I, I, I know. Oh, yeah, and so it's it's about a need that um, some of us have to be able to take care of ourselves and to look good. And of course, if you're uh, worked in Toronto, you know about um, about looking good in Toronto. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was I worked there for. I don't know how many years, lots of years. but <laughs> And it is a drug. It does make you feel good. and uh, Momentarily, though, unfortunately, yeah. it's a very momentary thing. You it feel, is. oh, I've got something new, and then very quickly that is gone. And, yeah. and then all you have is this plastic bag, no doubt, that you got with your product, and then yeah. you've got this product that you don't, maybe oh, you didn't need it. So yeah. people can really think about what do I need Versus what do I want? Right. If you can, if you can find this, if you yes, can just right. give a thought, is, do I need this yep. or do I just kind of want it? Yeah. Um, because I think that's a good uh, line that I've heard from many people yep. over the years. That's um, true. About that. Okay. Uh, so the the next one would be reuse. So mm-hmm. can we reuse those materials that we bought for different things? And maybe we can even fix them, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And reuse, repair, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. repair. Mm-hmm. That's right. Repair would be another R. I didn't have that on my list, but that absolutely repair. Mm-hmm. How, how bad are we at that right now? I have a, I have a duvet for my bed, and, and of course... I know uh, probably it's not a manly thing to sew, but I got out a, a, a thread and needle and, and sewed it up because mm-hmm. it had started to split. And I, um, you know, probably wasn't the greatest quality. But, well, but anyway, it's yours. extra <laughs> two years now already. So. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I think back, we used to do that. I mean, in, in when I lived in Birchcliff, once a month, the rag and bone man would come out with his wagon and his horse, and all the women would leave the stuff on the the sidewalk that they couldn't reuse or repair. Right. And he took it, and he reused it and repaired it. 
mm-hmm. and and we're doing a little recycling here, but we could do way more recycling at the. Uh, uh, I call them the dump, they're, but they're called a, a fancy name now. <laughs> we, <Yeah. laughs> a re something or other. Anyway, um, we need to be able to take those things. I know the hospice has a man shop where you can take things and they'll uh, reuse or repair and and then sell it for the hospice. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good one. Yeah. I, I think maybe another one might be repurpose. So yep. you could repurpose materials yep. for, for different things. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, what people like to think about as the first star is really on my list now, number six, because I, I entered in repair there as well. Yeah. So the number six would be recycle. So people yep. are fixated on recycling. Yep. The sad truth is the vast majority of the stuff that we try to recycle is not recycled. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's too difficult. It's too challenging. And also, remember, if you're in Prince George, we're very remote from a lot of the big infrastructure, for example, in the in the southwest where where these things can happen. And so now you've got to truck this down, this waste down to get it recycled. It's really not a good system, by and large, for us to do. Or send Uh, it on a ship to Taiwan. You know, know, which is terrible. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Thailand, mm-hmm. where, wherever it might be, and and they they're they're all of most of them have, are awash now in our waste, yes. and they don't want it anymore. Yeah. China said no more; yeah. they don't want it. Um, and so we need to we need to to me recycling is the last thing we should be thinking of, and if we're doing that, we should feel right. bad about it because it's not it's it's it is not a solution. Yeah. Um, there, there are a few things that, that positive things that might come out of it down the road, but uh, I think by and large we that's near the bottom. And then uh, some people throw in rot at yeah, the bottom, right? So we, in terms thinking of composting, maybe some of the yeah. food waste. And but again, before we waste food, we should be trying to make sure we're not wasting food in the first place. We should be trying to really optimize our food so that we're not throwing anything away. And and that one Earth group, they are working on um, global reductions, and I had never heard of them before. And they are trying to make food out of waste food. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure, you know, what that I want to eat it, but uh, I suppose if you steamed it and. And maybe it could be food for animals or something. But they are working on a, a global reduction of uh, um, waste and usage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's wonderful because we know that um, agricultural um, systems are, are quite leaky in terms of food. We, we tend to waste a lot. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. Uh, a lot of, in our society, it's a lot of it's from the... Con- consumption in so we yeah. buy something and then we just sit at the back of the fridge and then we throw it away right um, but uh, so he, he, here's another thought too so this is number four for me we should grow our own food if we can I agree it, it doesn't mean you have to grow 
all your food. And if you're in a condo, you still have maybe a deck, maybe you have some windowsills. Mm-hmm. You can maybe grow some herbs. It's it's a wonderful thing to do anyway, just yeah. for the fun of it. And and plus you get these fresh herbs and they don't they don't cost you anything. Um, mm-hmm. And you're making use of that. Because uh, I know they, they cost quite a bit in the store to buy fresh um, basil and things like that. Right. You know, my friend, she's 86 and, and she... Um, saved her tomato seeds out of her tomatoes that she bought from the store and then she saved her cucumber seeds and then she saved um, seeds out of uh, some kind of um, um, squash squash or something like that. She dried them and then froze them and then planted them and mm-hmm. she had so many tomatoes and cucumbers and she did get squash out of it and she said, why are we going and buying seeds? Why are we throwing them out? Mm-hmm. And there's really taking it to the, you know, really reusing, recycling, mm-hmm. redesignating, yeah. and uh, n- and not going and buying seeds at the store. Yeah, right. So grow your own food, and she grew potatoes and in a in a um, a dog food bag, you know, a kibble bag, and she she grew potatoes in one of those. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, who knew? Yeah. So grow your own food. But, okay, can I just follow on to that? Yeah. I want to, because this really surprises me, and I, and I teach a course in sustainability. Uh, right. I'm do, doing so this semester, and one thing I raised yesterday, we were talking about sustainable agriculture, and I was saying that in the United States, and I suspect it's in North America more broadly, um, the biggest crop we grow is turf grass. Oh, my gosh. And lawns. Can you believe that? That's no. the biggest crop. It does absolutely nothing. Because really, oh. we could easily get recreation in a garden setting. So what I'm what I'm saying is people should convert their front and backyards into food or flower gardens. Yeah. Um, flowers for the pollinators, mm-hmm. which are suffering, as you know, and, and mm-hmm. food, food for us. And mm-hmm. wouldn't it be such a more dynamic, interesting um, neighborhood to live in if, if you had all these beautiful flowers and 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 vegetables growing, and yep. you could you could share? Um, mm-hmm. I grew up with a with a with a garden in the backyard, and I'm sure a lot of people did from my generation, yep. um, but uh, less less so these days uh, with these manicured lawns. And so here's the thing. They consume much of our water supply. Yep. They receive the largest amounts of pesticide and herbicide. Yep. That all that all often filter into our water supply. Mm-hmm. They generate five percent of our fossil fuel emissions yep. from the, the the gas mowers, yep. and and they represent a substantial input of noise pollution in, in our urban envir- environments in the, in the summer. So, they have a lot of harms involved in in creating these 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 lawns, and we need to get. Um, yeah, we, we need to think differently. I think growing our own food would be great, right? Because we know that the, the, the environmental footprint on food, especially the greenhouse gas footprint, goes way up when you start transporting these foods from California and other places to, to B.C. Yeah, I, well, I always suggest grow trees and uh, bushes that are pollinators like. And I just had 56, mm. uh, 56 sticks put in my so-called lawn 
and I'm hoping to grow 56 more trees in there. Very uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Can you That's imagine? Spot, right? yeah, yeah. I'll have a jungle. And right. I, and I'll have all <laughs> kinds of living spots for animals. We don't have very long to go, so we've only yeah. got two more minutes. Yep. Yeah. I don't know where the time went, Sharon. <laughs> It's been fun. <laughs> well, it is fun. Now, is that all your R's? That's all the R's. Okay. I'm sure there are more. There's a whole bunch of different versions of it. But um, but I like your repair thing, and I'd forgotten to put that in. So yeah. thank you. I've got that in there, too, now. And so now we um, ne- need to go for the political parties and, yeah, and so hold them. Yeah. It's okay, because I, I, I just – let me just say something uh, just very quickly. Yeah. That – that I think people should realize our individual choices only take us so far. Yeah. If you look at our footprints, a lot of that footprint, like our personal environment, ecological footprint, we can all do it online for free. Okay? Yeah. But what you'll notice is that our personal decisions are just a part of our footprint. Yeah. The rest of the footprint comes all from all the societal yeah. right. goods, goods and bads. Yeah, <laughs> okay? right. You know, so we need to think. We need to think about governance because if we don't have good governance that is moving us towards sustainability, our own individual choices are not going to get us there. That's right. So that's bad news, but also good news because I think we need to get politically involved. I agree. All the way up from local neighborhoods, all the way up to you know city, yeah, uh, province, yeah, nation, international, global. We need to be thinking on all those levels, partly because as a, as a, as a human being, as a, as a living animal, we're, we're imbued with this sense of fairness yeah. and equity. And I think to have that, okay, so that we're all pulling in the same direction, yeah. there needs to be the right governance and legal systems yeah. and policies. So that's all I have to say. So my next guest is Kevin Falcon, who is the new leader of the Liberal Party. So guess what? We're going to kind of talk about him and I. Oh, oh. very good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you so well, much, Dr. Friedian. You're very welcome. Thank you. And I'll, I'll get you before you leave town. Okay. Okay. Deal. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. This is Senior Moments. We'll take a short break and be right back with our next guest. Hey world, this is Michael Franti. This is Kanan. Ho in the dark. Gogo Bordello. Hi, I'm Natasha Atlas. Greetings, this is Daniel Stevens. Justin Adams. This is Steve Riley of the Mamu Playboys. Talvin Singh, you're listening to Free Range Radio. Steve Berlin, Cesar Rosas. We're from Los Lobos and you've discovered music with no borders and no boundaries. This is Cal Coat. The best artists in the world come home to World Beat Canada Radio. Join me each week for a ride on the global side. World Beat Canada Radio, Monday nights at 8 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. A creative exhibit on now at Two Rivers Gallery investigates the often overlooked role of sound within social relations of power. The politics of sound is in through April 10th and expands the understanding of how sound has varying material effects within society. Check out the politics of sound through April 10th at Two Rivers Gallery, open 10 to 5 Tuesday through Saturday until 9 Thursday and noon to 5 Sunday, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. 
love them or hate them. Meetings are a fact of life at any organization. Make the most of your time together by taking Vantage Point's effective board meeting facilitation. In this three-hour workshop, you'll learn practical tools and techniques for setting agendas, fostering participation, building consensus, and keeping your meetings on track. Registration and full details are available through the events link at thevantagepoint.ca. Effective board meeting facilitation, March 29th from 5.30 to 8.30 through the Vantage Point, transforming not-for-profit leadership. Prince George five-day forecast from Environment Canada for today, mainly cloudy. Wind from the south of 20K gusting to 40, a high of 8. Tonight, partly cloudy, a 40% chance of showers early this evening. Gusting south winds becoming light, a low of minus 1. On Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the south of 20 in the afternoon and a high again of 8. The outlook for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud each day with a 60% chance of showers or flurries Saturday, lows around minus 1 and highs near 6. And the long-range forecast for Sunday, a mix of sun and cloud, a low of minus 9, a high of 8, then cloudy on Monday with a 30% chance of showers, a low of minus 4, and a high of 9. Brought to you in part by Riverbend Seniors Community on 93.1 CFIS-FM, this is Senior Moments. Okay, Sharon, we're back on again, and our next guest is on the line. And our next guest is the new leader of the B.C. Liberal Party, Kevin Falcon. Congratulations, Kevin. Well, thank you very much. It is so great to be back on your show. Oh, you know what? You were my, our first uh, interviewee when the uh, campaign started, and and I think maybe we're your lucky charm because Mike... Morris came out right away in support of you, and then um, you had some little bit of nasties from uh, John up in Vanderhoof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I think oh maybe we're a bit of a lucky charm because you got it. And the other thing was I was sort of hoping that you would pick some of the people who ran against you because I interviewed them and you had you know you had some uh, really good challengers and I see that you did I did yes look I uh, leadership race you know they're often challenging and people say things about oh, other yeah. contestants and that's to be expected uh, but at, at the end of the day I know they're all good people and uh, I'm really pleased uh, you know Ellis Ross I made the you know the critic for uh, LNG and energy, and I think that he he's been very very good at that. Yeah, uh, that was brilliant because he was very involved in that, wasn't he? Very, yeah, yeah. very involved. And uh, I made sure that uh, I gave a high profile post to uh, Renee Merrifield too as the critic for environment, which I think is one of the most important issues uh, you know that we we think about uh, when we think about the next generation. And, oh, and Michael Lee, of course, uh, the critic for Aboriginal issues and yeah. Indigenous issues. So I think, you know, the three of them ended up in a really good place. But most importantly, I think our caucus is very, very united and feeling really motivated. Morale is very high. We're very focused on, on what we need to do. Uh, and being constructive critics of government, of course, that's our primary jo- job right now, yeah. but also putting forward alternatives that, that we will do differently. Yeah, and you put sh- you kept Shirley in um, the position of uh, official opposition. That's right. Yeah, yeah Shirley, Shirley has done an amazing job. Hasn't and she? I, yeah. Yeah, and I told her that, and, and uh, I'm really proud of the job she's doing. So she is uh, still the official opposition leader because, of course, I'm the leader of the BC Liberal Party, but I'm not yet elected. Right. So until 
until the premier calls the by-election in the riding of Vancouver Quilchena, which is the riding that Andrew Wilkinson resigned his seat in order to allow me to run there yep. as the BC Liberal candidate, until that by-election is called and I get elected, which hopefully I will, uh-huh. um, then I, I don't assume the title of official opposition leader. So I asked Shirley to continue in that role until such time as we you know, get through that by-election. And so you said you're going to... Um help change the Liberal Party's image and um, one of the things you said was about changing the name but you know when you use the word opposition it's you know there's a diagnosis called oppositional defiance and opposition to me is like fighting and um, and that's my own personal take on that word and I was thinking, couldn't we uh, change the wording of that position to something like um, uh, collaborating, co- collaboration and positive feedback position? Something a little more pe- positive that might bring a little more uh, collaboration in the house instead of the nitpicking that goes on. You know, we are so fed up with paying people a big salary to sit and pick at each other like school kids in the schoolyard. Chickens. And we want to see um, the politicians, the political parties, work together for the best interests of the citizens that pay their wages. Sure. So, look, I, I, I will partially agree with you. And, and, but it's important to remember our parliamentary system is designed to ensure that the official opposition's job is not to... Uh, you know, just necessarily agree with what government's doing, but to provide opposition, constructive opposition. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's where I come from. I just think it needs to be constructive. And, and right. there are cases, for example, in terms of the overdose crisis, we, a recent report just came out again and said that once again, this year under the NDP wow. is going to be the worst ever number of overdoses. And we uh, said repeatedly, as did Shirley Bond and others, that we think that the government should strike the uh, the... Uh, it's called the Health Committee of the legislature that can go out and on a bipartisan basis we can go talk to experts in British Columbia and come up with solutions that put the politics to the side and and the good news is the NDP did agree after you know months of pressure from from our party that they would strike that committee and I think that's something that is uh, a really positive step in the right direction and I promise we will be constructive Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, but but at the end of the day, we can't lose sight of the fact that you know our job and and the whole you know thousand year history of parliamentary democracy is to ensure the official opposition. Their job is to hold government accountable uh, and to try and improve government policy by being constructive in our opposition. And you're just making my point. A thousand year history. Don't you think we should tweak things a little bit? You know, a thousand years ago, women were not allowed to go to school. They weren't allowed to be doctors. They were not allowed to be college. We're on a system that was misogynist. And and slowly, slowly, we've made inroads into having more women in office and having uh, their uh, own businesses. But when you think about that many years of a system, what I see is uh, we were serfs and they were kings, and part of our 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 grain was given to the king, or we got kicked out. We're still giving the grain to the king, 
only it's called taxes now. And um, I don't know why we have to run on a system that can't be tweaked uh, to more um, equality. Well, for sure. And and look, as the father of two young girls, 12 and 9, um, there's nobody that you know, feels more strongly about the importance of, of equality, for sure. Mm-hmm. And and it's something that I want to see both in our party and in our candidates that we put forward, that there's a real diverse mix of British Columbians, but a lot of really highly competent women, too. That's something that I'm going to really be reaching out to try and do. So, yes, we can always try and improve our system. Look, when, when I was first elected in 2001 as the youngest member of Cabinet, uh, we brought in a lot of changes. We extended the, uh, it used to be the question period was only 15 minutes long. We actually doubled it to 30 minutes to give mm-hmm. the opposition more time to question. We brought in uh, rules around decorum that we said, listen, we should try and improve things so that there's not that sort of bickering that goes on in the House. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I'll tell you totally honestly, what happened was the NDP went along with that initially. They said, yeah, that's a good idea. But then after you know a few months, they realized that they're not getting any attention from the media when they're being polite and non-bickering. And so they reverted back to, you know, um, the, you know, expressing outrage every time we do something or whatever, yeah, yeah. to try and get attention. And, and so I, you know, there is, there is some of these things that are a little bit built into the system, but look, I've taken the approach that I will be, uh, I will be a critic because there are things to criticize, mm-hmm. but I will be constructive and I will mm-hmm. always offer alternatives, which I do. And then I will keep doing that as we go forward. You know, back in the day uh, when I was really involved in um, the women's movement in transition houses, uh, the provincial government formed a task force on family violence. And, um, and, and I would think that a task force on addictions and, and death from overdose would be uh, something of having professionals sitting on the task force who are frontline people, not people who come out of university with a degree, but people who work in the muck and um, know what really is necessary and that talk to the, the folks that are killing themselves. Um, and, I mean, you can't decide what they need without asking them. And even though... A lot of their brains are fragmented from abuse and uh, uh, terrible abuse, trauma. Every every person I worked for with every for forty years was um, had mental health issues from uh, brain injuries from trauma. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know that um, a lot of people don't realize this about me, but I've spent the last eight years. Uh, that I was in the private sector almost a decade, uh, eight of those years on the board of the Street Home Foundation that works with homelessness in, in mostly in the Vancouver area, but, but also did a lot of research into what are the underlying issues that we also need to address here around mental health and mm-hmm. addictions, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I've spent lots of time in, in the downtown east side in Prince George. I went and visited the, you know, the, the area where all the homeless people are living near yeah. the downtown there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I talked to, you know, addicts directly. I've mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in this, and there's just no doubt in my mind that 
there are solutions out there, but we have to do things dramatically different than what we're doing today. We have the, to. And, and we really do. And the problem mm-hmm. is that what the government is doing, unfortunately, is saying, let's just keep doing more of the same and expect to get a different result. And that's <laughs> yeah. not happening. Yeah, and yeah. I would very much like to put, you know, I, this isn't an area that we should have any partisan politics, but we're having a very difficult time trying to get the NDP to understand that if we all work together and we all buy into the, the changes that need to be made, then it'll be easier to, you know, get the results that we need. And uh, for whatever reason, they just seem very focused on continuing, you know, this mantra of all we need is safe drugs and everything's going to be better. Uh, and, you know, yet in every community that I visit across the province, it's getting worse, and quite dramatically so. That is, you know, and that is really an... Um irresponsible uh, because if because I talk to the folks every time I come into town and I'll sit down and have a chat with them because I worked with them and mm-hmm. they're people who are uh, have lost themselves or had it taken away from them and if you look up the difference between the word victim and victimized it's a huge difference mm-hmm. and and victimized is what is happening to these people because of a government that won't provide um, their needs. And, and the first need is you ask them why you're sleeping during the day because it's not safe to sleep during the night. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a horrible failure of public policy, especially for the mentally ill, mm-hmm. because we, we leave them to their own devices to be exploited, abused, and yes. treated. You know, it's it's just awful. Yeah. And uh, so, anyhow, um, that that is an important point, and I'm glad that you have a a deep awareness of it. Um, and so, your platform is partly you've got childcare in there, um, and you, the thing about the the budget when I was sort of looking at the budget, I didn't see anything really about uh, the opioid and the deaths and the health and the mental health in this budget. No, in fact, this is, I hope you're sitting down, because they increased the, we, we always criticize them because their ministry, their Minister of Mental Health and Addictions has the smallest budget in government, including smaller than the Premier's office. Oh. So what they did is they increased that budget by $8 million, and we thought, oh, good, initially that was, we were encouraged, only to find out that the vast majority of that is for communications and, you know, um, advertising and marketing of, you know, what a great job they're doing oh. in the mental health and addiction space. And we just couldn't believe it. So, um, look, I think as I looked at the, the budget, I think the real issue, quite aside from the mental health, is just the affordability issue. In yeah. every aspect, we've got the highest fuel prices in North America, and that was before the Ukraine war broke out. We still have the highest fuel prices in North America. Mm-hmm. We've got the highest housing prices we've ever seen in the history of this province. Mm-hmm. We've got the highest overdose death rates. Um, we've got grocery prices going through the ceiling. And yeah. I just worry that this is a government that doesn't understand uh, how regular folks are living because they, at the same time that you've got moms and dads trying to, you know, struggle to, to know whether they can afford to buy more groceries or fill up their minivan. Mm-hmm. We've got the premier giving himself a $40,000 raise and every cabinet minister getting over $20,000 raise. 
And, and this is just so tone deaf to the reality that people are experiencing out there that I find that very, very frustrating. And do they really think that the citizens of uh, B.C. support that? You know, they they talk about... Yeah. I mean, we don't support it. Everybody, nobody else is getting a raise. And everybody's having to pay the higher prices. And yet they have the audacity to give themselves a raise. How can that happen? You know, they tried to slide it through uh, very deep in the budget. Of course, we found it. I'm a former finance minister, so more luck in the budget. And uh, and now you know they're they're you know trying to you know protest that oh well it's you know it's it's over three years and it's not really that bad and and I just think to myself come on are you kidding me the whole oh. point uh, of you know having some compassion and understanding what British Columbians are facing remember there's a lot of British Columbians that lost their businesses yes. they're still struggling to keep their businesses going yes. and during the whole COVID thing every single one of those MLAs in Victoria and cabinet ministers and the premier have all been cashing their checks. They haven't had a worry in the no. world about what's going on during COVID. And yet all these families out there are stressed. Yes. And they have difficult times. Many were laid off. Many are struggling to keep their businesses opening. Many have failed. Their businesses have failed, unfortunately. And I just think that to give themselves raises in the tens of thousands of dollars is incredibly tone deaf. Well, it's really quite uh, not being in touch with the people they're supposed to be representing. And um, when when I hear um, politicians say that we're doing um, what uh, the citizens want us, when we vote somebody in, it doesn't give them carte blanche to do whatever the hell they want. They're supposed to be listening to us. They're supposed to be having meetings with us. The people who pay their wages, um, I'm going to cut back my uh, taxes because I I refuse to help them have an increase in, in and I'll go to jail. I mean, yeah. this is just really insulting to what is happening to the the citizen, um, the ordinary everyday citizen that has put them. In there, and the other part that bothers me about having a majority is even if you are the opposition, what what chance do you have? No, that's true. Uh, but you know, I'm really my job now is to go out to British Columbians and speak directly to them, including through programs like yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to get out there and just let people know that why I'm doing this. Yeah, and believe me when I tell you that. I didn't need this job, uh, no. for sure. Uh, I'm doing it because I'm thinking about my girls and yeah. the next generation, and I just want to make sure we've got leaders that are prepared to make you know, the, the, the right decisions so that we can get the right results. And I'm prepared to look at evidence. I'm prepared to acknowledge when we're, we're wrong and when we make mistakes, because sometimes we will. Um, and that's fine. You just have to course correct. You know, if, you, if you do something and it's not working out, um, that's okay. We're not perfect just because we get elected. You have to have the humility to say, we can do better. But I'll tell you this, at least I come from a background of business and understanding how to get things done. And and, uh, I think the biggest problem that the NDP government faces is that none of them, none of them come from the background that can inform them on how to manage and run a large organization, which is what government is. It's a $70 billion a year operation, and they just frankly don't know what the heck they're doing that and sounds that really like concerns a, me yeah the, the other part of that is um, you have 
do you go in to be a politician to make money, or do you go in to be a politician because you want to help make change for the better for the citizens of the province? And uh, and then when you give yourself a raise at the expense of uh, the people who are paying your wages, you're just um, arrogant, conceited, egotistic, like, I can't handle it. I need to write a letter after we're done today. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think a lot of British Columbians are going to feel that way. Yeah. Uh, because the timing is just awful. I, I just, it, that's the thing that really gets me. Look, I, I can tell you, you know, I, you definitely don't go into politics for money. No. Um, I got criticized because I said, you know, the NDP, it's the best job they'll ever have, and they yeah. got all upset about it. Oh, but, tough. You know, yeah. But, you know, yeah, but the reality is, you know, in in the midst of a, a we, we're just still coming through this pandemic. We've gone through two very tough years for most British Columbians. Yeah. And I just think that the fact that they think it's the right time to give themselves a, a big raise in pay, just, you know, yeah. is infuriating. So. Well, well, we have to remember that when uh, October Absolutely. comes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, make sure people do. Yeah, for sure. Now, the other thing I was thinking of this morning after I watched the president of the Ukraine talk, um. I looked up NORAD, and I wonder if if, if uh, our government is thinking anything about the possibility of being invaded by Russia if things go too far, and if if there is a planning committee that uh, is sort of looking. Because I talked to a friend in in um, Labrador and said, "Have there been any Russia, Russians uh, dropping into your backyard from the air?" And she said, "Oh no, we're we're um, being um, informed, and we're being told to to keep an eye and to report." So, what are we doing? Well, you know, this is interesting. You raise that because I know I was just reading the other day. This is more of a federal issue, but the Arctic, the whole issue of Arctic Arctic sovereignty, and yep, Canada's. Uh, because, you know, frankly, we've not done a very good job of maintaining our military at all, and that's, that's right. charitable. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, it's difficult for us to project our, our sovereignty over, you know, the Arctic. And mm-hmm. because there are mineral resources there, you've now got India, you've got China, you've got, you know, uh, other countries like Denmark that are laying claim to that area, yep. and, and we can't do much to respond because we haven't got much in the way of, the projection of our strength or our, our national sovereignty. So I, I think that the invasion of Ukraine, I think, has reawakened a lot of Canadians to the reality that, you know, yes, we've gone without major wars for a long period of time, but, boy, I'll tell you, this has been a wake-up call. That The values of democracy and freedom and liberty are are now, I think, reawakened in the minds of, of people, and, and hopefully our government will take notice and start to make the investments that are needed so that we can properly defend ourselves and not just have to rely on the United States uh, for all our protection. Oh, gosh, then they'd have us for sure. The other part is uh, a lot of people will remember that during the Second World War that um, my uncle was in a Corvette, which isn't a car. It was a ship for the Navy, and he was um, um, the submarine torpedo took them out and killed them in in uh, the the Gulf of St. Lawrence and there was another one happened in uh, off the coast of Newfoundland so don't think that we're um, you know I mean Russia is just across the Bering Sea and uh, 
they can get to the states as quickly coming across that way as uh, coming across the ocean. Yeah, yeah, we're we're definitely into a, a whole new world here. So yeah, and we have yeah, to we remember, and you know, like they had the dew line for a very long time, and then they put NORAD up there, which is a um, a safety warning system for That's and, right. yeah, and. Uh, I, I, we just have to remember that we are not in, um, not not vulnerable. I think the other the last thing I wondered about was the um, the plant derived vaccine that Canada has been the first to um, approve, the AstraZeneca. Yes. Yeah, and um, I th- I was feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah. Now, are you talking about the pill form? It's 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 a plant derived. Uh, yes, and I think it is a pill form yeah. or spray yeah, or something no, like that. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's really encouraging, and that that I think will help people that you know. I mean, most of our population, ninety one percent, have been vaccinated. Yeah, we've, we've done everything we that you know that has been asked of us, and I I think we deserve a lot of credit for that. But for those that, for whatever reason, are concerned about vaccinations, um, this can provide another alternative for them that I think is really positive. The other thing I wanted to ask you, um, Kevin, is are we, is BC doing anything to help uh, the Ukraine? Uh, not enough, I think, you know, to be honest with you. I've been calling, so I was the first one to come out and ask the government to uh, remove Russian liquor from our liquor store shelves. Yep. And uh, after first um, not agreeing to do it, they they quickly changed their mind and did, which I appreciate. And then I called for them to uh, their their investment management corporation, which manages uh, public sector pensions, had over half a billion dollars of investments in a lot of Russian oil and gas companies, mining companies, etc. So mm-hmm. I asked them to exit from that. The you know the government said, no, we're not going to interfere. And I said, look, I'm not asking you to interfere. I'm just asking you to pick up the phone and call the chair of that board and say, listen, you can see what's going on in the world, and I think you can apply some moral suasion here yes. so that they do the right thing. And, and the good news is that, that that corporation, which is independent of government, but mm-hmm. nevertheless manages these resources for government, did come out and say they would be exiting those investments. So I'm really pleased about that. I sent out a press release today. Mm-hmm calling for the government to start acting now because there are two and a half million, soon to be three million refugees yes. that have fled Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And some of them will be looking for a temporary place to stay and maybe even a permanent place. Yeah. And here in B.C., I think we should be working with the different regions, Prince George, mm-hmm. Peace Country, the Caribou, etc., and, and start identifying potential places that they can live mm-hmm. um, uh, and, you know, uh, families that will be willing to take them in mm-hmm. and so that, we're, so that we're ready for them when they arrive. And, yeah. and there's a lot of work that could be done now. And I'd also encourage the government to start raising money and, and match British Columbians' donations so that right. we could create a Made in BC, you know, uh, um, welcoming mm-hmm. for a lot of those folks that are fleeing that violence. Yeah, well, it's like I have to um, 
cut us off now, but I'm glad you're doing that, and I'm glad you're aware of it. And, um, because Canada has the highest um, um, number of Ukrainian people, and I know a lot of Ukrainian people that you know, their their grandparents came over, and you know those people that came over from the Ukraine have, are part of making up this country, and uh, they worked really hard in the prairies, and we need to help them out. Absolutely, absolutely. So we, we will keep pushing and we'll do our part. But thank you so much for having me on your program again. Oh, I'm so glad you came on. I love talking with you and learning stuff. And, and I'd like to sort of have that opportunity, you know, every few months or so to see how it's going and, and what we can do to help. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, bye now. Take care. And this is Senior Moments signing off for this week. Senior Moments is a co-production of 93.1 CFIS-FM and the Prince George Council of Seniors. Senior Moments is produced by Sharon Hurd with production assistance from A.J. Fair. Theme music is courtesy of Goff Brooks Music. Catch the rebroadcast of today's show tonight at 9 or replay past shows through the podcast at CFISFM.ca. This is Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM, proudly supported by local organizations like Le